Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance designed to help you reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's program, you're invited to a free event this month at our church in Corona. Pastor Michael and guest speaker Dr. J.P. Moreland will talk about how you can biblically tackle the issues of depression, anxiety, mental illness, and more. Learn more and register for the free event when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael Lance and his teaching in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8, about the new heaven and new earth. We're going to look at a new heaven and a new earth, Revelation 21. We're only going to go up to verse 8 in chapter 21 tonight, and uh, we'll tackle the rest of the chapter next time we're together. Would you pray with me? Father, as we come before you, we're just so grateful for the worship that took place here. Grateful for all the teenagers and the leaders and the adult sponsors of the youth group. And uh, they filled the right side of this sanctuary tonight. And I could hear them worshiping. And it's just so neat to see what you're doing in their lives. We pray you'd bless them as they go up and do a Bible study together. And as we turn to your word, Lord, We pray that you would do a fresh work in our hearts tonight as we look at one of the most cherished sections of Scripture that I could ever think of, Revelation 21. And I pray that it would bless our hearts and encourage us tonight that we would revel in the glory of it, in the hope of it, in the truth of it, and they would refresh our hearts tonight, giving us fresh hope and Uh, fresh courage tonight, Lord. So we just pray you would lead it by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Revelation 21. So um, many times as a pastor, I have been called out to hospitals and uh, stood at cemeteries with families. And oftentimes we've turned to Psalm 23 or we've turned to John 14 or we've often turned to Revelation 21. And uh, if it doesn't ring, you know, to your memory bank right now, you will see how incredibly precious it is uh, to see these promises at the end of the book of Revelation and to know that they are true. These words are faithful and true. Before we jump into the verses, just a little bit of uh, backfilling We've moved from the fate of the evil, unbelieving world to the future of those who belong to God. And the question that maybe we should be asking tonight is, what kingdom are we truly pursuing? If you are part of the kingdom of God, your future is incredibly bright. If you don't belong to the kingdom of God, your future is incredibly bleak. There's no two ways about it. The end of Revelation 20 showed us that bleak picture for the unbelieving world when we read Revelation 20, verse 11. I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. We went on to see this great white throne judgment. We saw the book, the book of life open, the books were open, the dead were judged according to the books And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was cast, tragically, sadly, into the lake of fire. 
And that was really the close of chapter uh, 20. The unbelievers not found in the book of life, thrown into the lake of fire. In Revelation 20, verse 11, when we saw that great white throne and him who sat upon it, we saw that from his presence, earth and heaven fled away. And because this judgment is at the end of what's called the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, mentioned six times in Revelation 20, the thousand years, the thousand years, the thousand years, and the fact that it now says that heaven and earth in verse 11, chapter 20, fled away, there is a connection that many Bible scholars make between Revelation 20, verse 11, and Revelation 21, 1, where it talks about now a new heaven and a new earth. And the debate, and just to give you a little backdrop again on the debate, is that there are some people who believe that the new heavens and the new earth are ushered in at the end of the millennial reign of Christ. So new heavens and a new earth arrive at that point. There are some that believe that the new heavens and the new earth are ushered in at the beginning of the thousand years. And there are some who believe that there is no literal thousand years. Those who are in the camp of the no literal thousand years do have their Bible verses that you need to be aware of. One section that they would appeal to is Matthew 25, where Jesus is depicted as being seated on his throne, and all the nations stream before him, and he separates the sheep from the goats. And so they say that seems to be a judgment that happens all at the same time. So... And then then there's just simply a separation. So they have their verses. Do I believe their view? No. (laughs) But I think it's important for you to understand a little bit of why they come to the conclusions that they come to. There is premillennialism, which I think most of you are in that camp. You believe that Jesus returns before the thousand-year reign of Christ. There's postmillennialism that believes that it's after, he returns after the thousand years, and perhaps we're in the thousand years right now. And then there's amillennialism. They don't believe there's any millennium. Or they believe that maybe it's symbolic and it's not a literal thousand years. And so what we have here before us in these uh, eight verses is what's called the new heaven and the new earth and the New Jerusalem. We're going to get a little bit into the New Jerusalem as well. But notice in 21.1, it says, I saw. John has been seeing the book of Revelation. I saw this. I saw that. And he sees a new heaven and a new earth. New heaven, new earth. The Greek word for new is kainos, K-A-I-N-O-S. It speaks of new, especially in freshness. If you look it up in a Greek lexicon, it respects the form recently made. It speaks of fresh, recent, unused, and unworn. Uh, It respects the substance, a new kind, or that which is unprecedented. You could define new as new in nature, with an implication of better. The earth and the heaven will be new and improved. Don't you love those kinds of products? It seems like everything that's out there has a version of new and improved. We will be both new and greatly improved in the resurrection. Remember how we were talking about the resurrection body? And we were all praising the Lord, especially if you're a little older. New and improved sounds really good. 
Well, there is a connection between the new heavens and the new earth and the resurrection of the dead. It's found in Romans 8. I put it before you for your consideration as you consider your view of the end times. Look at Romans 8. Paul is painting the picture of this present life and what's ahead. And he's talking about what we go through, how we suffer. He says in Romans 8.16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, Romans 8.16, that we are children of God. If children, we are heirs, also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time or this present age are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, Romans 8.20, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons. And notice what it says here. The redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one uh, also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. And so there is this groaning. Creation is personified here, given personality here. Sometimes you read in the Bible of trees clapping and so forth. And it's this idea that creation is waiting for the redemption of our bodies. That's another way of saying the resurrection of the children of God. Because it seems to know that when we get our makeover, when we get our resurrection body, it's going to be resurrected as well. If the two are in concert one with another, in other words, if the resurrection and the renovation of the planet go together, it makes a pretty good argument that the new heavens and new earth are ushered in at the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ. Just a thought. It's not something to be dogmatic about. There's good scholars on both sides of it, and they have their verses. In 2 Peter 3, Peter is talking about the end of the age, and he's talking about how mockers will come in the last days, 2 Peter 3, just a little bit before the book of Revelation. And he, he mentions how they're ignorant of the facts of the past of how God flooded the world and so forth. And he gets to what we would consider end times uh, teaching, which is very uh, relevant to this topic. And, and here's what he says. This is 2 Peter 3, 7. He says, The present heavens and earth, 2 Peter 3, 7, the present heavens and earth would exist now by his word, by God's word, are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Now, I think we'd all agree that that day of judgment is the day of the Lord. 
and the Lord deals with the ungodly world. We've been looking at that. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment, but now we would like to invite you and your family to our free 633 event on Sunday, September 29th. If you suffer from depression, anxiety, or know someone who does, come and listen to Pastor Michael's guest speaker, Dr. J.P. Moreland, author of Finding Quiet, for guidance and encouragement to overcome these issues. Dr. J.P. Moreland will reveal his extended battle with debilitating anxiety and depression while pointing you towards sound sources of information, treatment, and recovery. Afterwards, he and Pastor Michael will take questions from the audience. But space is limited, so please let us know if you're coming to this free 633 event. Register online at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Visit the Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. He mentions how they're ignorant of the facts of the past, of how God flooded the world and so forth. And he gets to what we would consider end times uh, teaching, which is very uh, relevant to this topic. And, and here's what he says. This is Second Peter 3.7. He says, the present heavens and earth, Second Peter 3.7, the present heavens and earth would exist now by his word, by God's word, are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Now, I think we'd all agree that that day of judgment is the day of the Lord, when the Lord deals with the ungodly world. We've been looking at that. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack about his promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you. He's not wishing or not willing or desirous that any perish, but what? All come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And I think like a thief pertains to the unbelieving world. In which the heavens, now we're dealing with new heaven and a new earth. That's our topic tonight. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will what? They will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed. Luo is the Greek word. Literally, you could translate this loosened with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Now, this is what is ahead for the planet. There's going to be new heavens and a new earth. But first, the current heavens and current earth are going to be destroyed. Peter says, since all these things are to be destroyed, if you have a King James, New King James, it says dissolved in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? 
looking for and hastening, speaks of speed or eagerly awaiting or earnestly desiring the coming of the day of God. I think that's just another way of saying the day of the Lord. On account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, what are we looking for? We are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which what? Righteousness dwells. Now, we've often said, as we turn back to Revelation 21, that the millennial reign of Christ will be a time when he rules and reigns in righteousness. It will be a time of peace and righteousness. Because of the radical nature of the cataclysmic judgments of God, it is a pretty reasonable argument to make that after the world is destroyed, not by water this time, not like the flood, God said he would never do a worldwide flood again. He would never destroy the world that way again. But he is going to destroy the world in the future by fire, which doesn't sound so pleasant. <laughs> and it's, it's going to be dissolved. And then Peter says what we're looking for is new heavens and a new earth. This is why it's a pretty compelling thought to think that the new heavens and new earth come after the judgment and they are part of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Now, you could read other commentaries, and they see a chronological order from Revelation 20 at the end of the chapter into 21, and they believe that it happens at the end of the thousand years. Again, you don't need to live and die with this argument, but you just need to be aware of it. And there's some practicality to it in this sense, that the world's going to be pretty devastated by the time the day of the Lord's over. Would you agree? We've been reading through these chapters and it's gotten pretty ugly, right? A third of this died, a third of that, you know. And so you're like, well, what's left? Well, that's why this language might lend itself to the new heavens and the new earth being part of the thousand-year reign of Christ. It's an exciting thought to think that everything will be new during that thousand years. Some people see this as the eternal state. But I do think that we are talking about the millennial reign, the thousand-year reign of Christ, where the wolf and the lamb lie down together, where they will not hurt in all my holy mountain. And I don't know what the, the newness of it all is going to be, but it's going to be new in nature, qualitatively new, fresh, pristine. You know, you, maybe you've seen some movies where you've seen some different kind of landscapes and colors, and you go, wow, that... That's pretty incredible. That's Hollywood movie making. But imagine what God can do with his paintbrush. We can already see it in the sky, right, when we watch sunsets and things like that. What's going to be the exact nature of this newness? We'll get some descriptions of the new Jerusalem as we go on in chapter 21 and 22. But it is just kind of exciting to think about what things are going to be like. The new heaven, the new earth are coming John says, 21.1, Revelation, I saw them. For the first heaven and the first earth, what happened to them? They passed away, Revelation 21.1. And there is no longer any sea. The first heaven, the original heaven, the original earth, pass off the stage. Are they replaced or renovated? Interesting thought. Is it a new planet or is it a renovated planet? Well, 
This language, that there's a first heaven and a first earth, seems to indicate that there may be a second one. However, there is some language that you read about in the flood where everything was destroyed by the flood, but the planet did not cease to exist. It's just that God destroyed it and then made everything new again or started over again with Noah and his family. So that's some of the language that you're dealing with there. And then the bummer for all surfers, there's no longer any sea. And all God's people said, dude, really, man? That's heavy, man. That was a little Raw Reese with a surfer. It's heavy, man. Heavy in my Chevy. Anyway, we won't go there. So does this mean that there's no more water? No, because we know there's a spring flowing from the throne of God, and there's uh, the tree of life bearing fruit and so forth. So it doesn't mean no more water. Does it mean no more oceans? There are theologians that argue that the sea in the ancient mind wasn't, th- this setting or context is not so much about the elimination of what we might consider an ocean. But in the ancient mind, the, uh, the Jewish mind, for example, the sea was tumultuous, unpredictable. In fact, in Revelation 13.1, I think it's the beast that comes out of the sea And so they saw it as a source of darkness, evil, that which is unpredictable and even uh, frightening. And so it may be that the sea here is more about that uh, which is evil. So uh, there's first heaven and first earth pass away, and then there's no longer any sea. Um, There's something that's mentioned in a commentary that I was reading, and it's... uh, by Leon Morris. And here's what he says. In the end, the seething cauldron, he's speaking about the sea, fraught with unlimited possibilities of evil, will disappear. The sea is one of seven evils John speaks of as being no more. The others being death, mourning, weeping, pain, the curse, and night. If you add the sea to that, that's seven Seven keeps coming up in the book of Revelation. And so we can see that this may be a good way to think about it. The sea, uh, the first earth passes off the stage, the first heaven and the sea. That which belonged to the first order of things is no more. It's replaced. The sea is never still. It's a symbol of changefulness, a source of evil and so forth. And that's probably why it's mentioned here. You've been listening to Pastor Michael Lance on Walk in Truth. This was part one of his teaching in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8, about the new heaven and new earth. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment, but first a thank you for listening to Walk in Truth. Your support is really appreciated, and we're wondering if it would help spread the word about our program. Whether you're listening on the radio or podcast, would you please share today's teaching with a friend on Facebook or Twitter? You can find this teaching on walkintruth.com or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for helping us spread the word about Walk in Truth. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, friends, I pray that you've had a great week, and we're so glad that you're studying with us here at Walk in Truth and part of our listening family. But we realize some of you can't join our local family and fellowship with us this Sunday, but we want to encourage you to be in fellowship in a good Bible teaching church. 
hey, if it's been a while since you've been in fellowship and you're physically able to get to church, I think this is a great weekend to get back plugged in. Use your gifts for the glory of the King. Serve one another. Serve the body of Christ. Build up the body. I think there's 59 one another commands in the New Testament, and they're hard to do if you're not plugged in with other believers. So find a good Bible teaching church this weekend. We encourage you to do so, and we'll look forward to joining you on Monday right back here on Walk in Truth. Well, friend, you're invited to our Sunday morning services at Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in the city of Corona. We have two services at 9 and 11.15 a.m. The address is 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. We'd love for you to experience a church service here. And if you're not plugged into a local fellowship, well, now's the time to get back plugged in. Use your gifts for the glory of the King. We invite you out. You can find out information, directions, all that's going on with Sunday school and youth groups when you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars, and we'll look forward to having you on Sunday. Come back next week to hear a special program of Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael will have a conversation with Dr. J.P. Moreland. They'll discuss how to tackle issues of anxiety, depression, and mental illness. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. In addition to our faithful listeners and financial partners, this program is made possible by our staff, Executive Administrative Pastor Mike Rizzi, Audio and Video Technician Nathan Lance, Program Director Rob Newton, Graphic Arts Director Brenda Lance, Walk in Truth Store Admin Larry Bondi, Financial Admin Claudia Rizzi, and Senior Pastor Michael Lance. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people.